Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to episode 336 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is post-Super Bowl. It's Sunday into Monday, mid-February, and I am joined, as often, by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. What's going on, Brad? This is usually a really fun and exciting time for baseball fans. The Super Bowl wraps up, and all of a sudden, you turn your attention to some spring training and maybe some March Madness, but unfortunately, we're not quite in that situation this year, but as we'll dig in here, hopefully... Hopefully there's some brighter days on the horizon with the CBA and let's all hope for some baseball sooner than later. (laughs) Yes, I would echo that uh, for not only our own interest, but also for this podcast, uh, which is better if we talk about baseball because baseball is what the podcast is about, Scott. I'm not sure if you knew that, but deep down, as much as we like to talk talk about college basketball and uh, movies and things, (laughs) really actually about baseball. We, we joked during like the COVID season that if, if it went long enough, we were going to have to do like Brad's favorite movies and Scott's favorite recipes. We're getting, I don't we're know. Back. We're getting back Maybe close to it again. We are getting close. Thankfully, we're not to that point, but let, let's hope we never get there. But uh, nonetheless, we got we have some good stuff to chat about. Yeah, this might be a little bit shorter than usual because of uh, all of what's going on and because of the hour and all that stuff. But there's some CBA stuff to parse. And honestly, as the pseudo host of this podcast, I have tried my best to not get too in the weeds on the CBA stuff on the pod, but it was kind of a big weekend for it. So it's a good time to get a little bit deeper than we have been. Um, first, there was kind of a weird story that uh, came out on Friday about it's not really about CBA, but an, a baseball lawyer for the league office in federal court said on Friday that the minor leaguers should not be paid during spring training, basically arguing that they're like trainees or interns and that. And that's all part of this lawsuit from like eight years ago about minor league compensation. <laughs> compensation. It's pretty insane. And that got a lot of reaction. Like, it's not really a story that has much nuance, to be honest with you. It's like mm. kind of a ridiculous thing that the baseball side is arguing. But that was the first like sort of bombshell of the weekend. It was like, oh, by the way, aside from all the CBA stuff, baseball is literally arguing against paying minor leaguers for speed yeah. training. <laughs> which yeah. is just I, uh... wild. Right. And I mean, <laughs> I am not a, a labor attorney here, but it, it feels illegal to me, like just based on the little bit I know about like U.S. labor laws, it seems uh, not legal. And I mean, again, it's it's just some of these things. It's like, what are we doing here? Like these are billion dollar organizations. These owners are billionaires and we're, we're not going to pay minor leaguers a couple thousand dollars for, for six weeks of spring training. Like that, that's really, really where we are at as a sport. I don't know. I saw that and I, I really couldn't believe it. I honestly thought it seemed and sounded against the law quite honestly. And then just <laughs> hearing more, it's, it's really pretty astounding. No, it wasn't great. Um, I'm not sure I wanted to leave with that, but it is what it is. Uh, okay. From there also in the last, I don't know, week and a half or so uh, the baseball side, again, commissioner side, owner side requested federal mediation on the CBA uh, this negotiation, which, which was then declined by the PA um, pretty obviously a tactic by the league and not really a good faith attempt. I say that as someone who, again, not, not an expert on this, but basically all of the labor people that, you know, Eugene Friedman, someone that's been very public on this and people that are definitely more plugged in than I am kind of described it as that, like it was pretty obviously just a, a tactic and a sort of posturing stuff by the league. And they didn't even su- submit a counterproposal before they did that. Now they finally did on Saturday, which we'll touch on in a second, but mediation, it's like, again, we're not experts, but it's, that was uh, par for the course as well. And then there's the Rob Manfred component 
uh, on Thursday. He did sort of a state of the league kind of thing. And uh, we'll kind of parse through this now because there were lots of headlines. One of them was that he said there was, quote, no change right now, end quote, to spring training, which is hilarious given the hour and the day when she said it. Again, it was February 10th. And pitchers and catchers were supposed to be reporting like two days later for spring training. And he was acting like that wasn't going to be delayed. Uh, Breaking news, folks. Spring training is not going to start on time. I'm just telling you that right now. Uh, And he he knew that. But in typical Manfred fashion, he just didn't want to say it out loud. He also said in the same interview that he did not want to have – baseball did not want to go short in like 28 days for spring training, which is, you know, two more weeks or so. Because as we'll probably talk about more later on – and as a reminder, free agency is like only like half over. So that's something to keep in mind. It's not like previous negotiations, like in 2020, for instance, where like rosters were set for the most part. Yeah, that's not the case now. So everything has to be filtered through that lens. And uh, we can get into more of the Manfred stuff. But man, uh, he got dunked on pretty hard for the yeah. uh, not right now stuff. And, uh, you know, rightfully so, I guess, because he's Rob Manfred. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, quite honestly, he might be like the least liked person in American sports, at least among like the administration types, right? Like he, like, yeah, no one... that's probably right. I mean, Goodell got hammered for a while there, but like, I think it's kind of cooled off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there was that time where Gary Bettman was like, when, when the NHL missed an entire season, Gary Bettman was like public enemy number one for anyone yeah. who cared about hockey, but that's cooled off too. And just hockey is also just less mainstream than it was then. So yeah, I think that's a, a pretty decent argument. You don't really <laughs> see people defending Rob Manfred very often. Even people, and I don't understand these people, to be honest. Even people that I are clearly aligned with the owner side in negotiations, like you'll, you'll see fans and stuff reply to people and like take the owner side. And I kind of I'm always baffled by that. But even even those people are not like caping for Manfred. Like no, no, no one seems to like Rob Manfred, basically. Which is, I guess, part of his job in some respects. He's not, you know, there's this notion that the commissioner is like the arbiter of baseball, and then they're this neutral party, and that's not actually how this works. The commissioner works for the owners. Like that's not his job. He literally reports to the owners, not the players. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, is what yeah, it is. I guess to answer my own question, I think there are, there's like 30 actual people who like Rob Manfred and the it's owners. the owners. Yes, yes. exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, where my frustration comes with this whole lockout and CBA agreement is this, we're recording this on the night of February 13th, middle of February, Opening day is six weeks away. Spring training, pitchers and catchers are supposed to be reporting in a couple of days, and they are still nowhere close. And what drives me nuts about that as a fan and as someone who cares deeply about the sport is they went a month and a half without doing anything. They instituted this lockout in December and did not meet for six weeks. And then they've just basically more or less nickeled and dimed each other in their counter proposals ever since. And if we were talking about this situation right now that we're in right now, back in early December when the lockout first initiated, like you could probably talk yourself into, yeah, that's no problem. They have some things to work out. And yes, they're they're far apart on some of the money issues, but they'll get there. Uh, we're in the middle of February. Opening day is six weeks away. As you noted, there are still a ton of free agents out there, trades to be made. It's not like even if there is a CBA that's signed to that everybody just suddenly shows up to camp in Florida or Arizona the next day. Uh, There are a lot of things to get through here and both on and off the field. And it's just a mess. Uh, Maybe it is, I guess, a benefit to the league that I think, and you and I talked about this last time, like the casual sports fan may not even realize that there's a lockout or it's as ugly as it's been. Um, Quite obviously the the focus has been on the NFL and, and, college football before it ended a month ago and not anymore after today, baby super Bowl's over yeah nba nhl like those are going on so baseball naturally in the offseason takes the back seat but now it it does i think maybe the the league starts to feel some pressure on the national level uh who knows when we're ultimately going to get a deal but it is just really frustrating to see these proposals that are coming in like once a week and yeah they're technically making up ground in the middle but it's a few dollars at a time when they are millions apart yeah i mean you referenced it and how long they waited before they did really much of anything but saturday they had this big negotiating session which we'll talk about in a second but that was only the fifth time they've actually met since the lockout started on december 2nd that seems insane number one uh also this is the second longest work stoppage in baseball history already uh they haven't lost games yet but 
I mean, I looked, I looked this up twice to make sure it wasn't, it wasn't wrong. And it, it, it is, it's not wrong. It's like other than 94, this is the longest it's ever been in terms of work stoppages in baseball. And again, they've met five times to talk. Um, you know, Manfred said that uh, losing games would be a quote disastrous outcome. I agree with him, but you know, at the same time, it's kind of on their side of this. Um, he also said that he believes they'll have agreement in time for the regular season schedule. Um, we'll see on that, but he did say it. Uh, he also used the word agreed a number of times in misleading fashion, because as of today, they have agreed on nothing. Like he, he said the word agreed, like they were like making these formal things and it's just not the case. Like he was saying it, I guess, like maybe in principle or like these are, these are topics in which there's, they're not arguing anymore, but nothing has been signed yeah. or actually agreed to. A lot of it, a lot of the attention was on the comments about the universal DH where he did use the word agreed on that. Um, both sides do want that. And I think by all accounts, it's going to happen. It's just not actually official. We're going to answer a mailbag question later on in the podcast about universal DH, but uh, I would say this is, this is a step towards that. Hmm. And we're at like 99%, I think at this point, but yeah. uh, it's not official. The word agreed is not uh, actually accurate there. And he also talked about, I want to get your thoughts on this too, uh, eliminating draft pick competition for free agents and also a uh, potentially for a draft lottery to address the players' concerns. This is a direct quote from Manfred to address the players' concerns about clubs not competing. End quote. That's basically would be like an NBA style thing, I think, because yeah. NBA, of course, does a draft lottery for teams that miss the playoffs. Football does not because it's only 16 games or 17 games now. Um, but I wonder what you think about those two things in particular. Because DH stuff we talked about a lot already. But what do you make of uh, no longer at least potentially having draft pick compensation and also the uh, the draft lottery? Yeah, to all the above, I'm I'm all in. I mean, I think this is a pro designated hitter podcast for numerous reasons. It benefits the Braves in the immediate term, and uh, you know. As much fun as it is every now and then to watch Max Freed swing a bat, I, I think for every Max Freed, there's about 10 Mike Fultoneviches who are out there just like you, you honestly just worry the whole time that they're going to get injured when they're swinging a bat. Um, there's just no no reason for it. And I always thought it was a little silly that half of the league has a DH and half doesn't. Um, so I was happy about the DH announcement. It was one of the rare occurrences where it was like, hey, Rob Manfred, bringer of good news. Um and then as far as the, the draft pick compensation getting eliminated, that's one of those things I can't believe they ever agreed to in the first place. Strong agree with you on that. I think that's ludicrous that it ever happened. And it really is, uh, especially in the current landscape. Yeah. It would be crazy not to get away with that. I get, sorry, get rid of that. Just because there's been so much talk about like borderline collusion stuff on free agency and driving prices down. And yeah. one of the reasons why it's so easy to do is because, is because teams have to pay draft picks to sign players. It's ludicrous. Yeah. I, like, come on, what are we doing right. here? Like, you know, the, the idea, just the very idea of, hey, I would love to sign Juan Soto as a free agent to the biggest contract of all time in two years. But we do need to consider the fact that we're going to lose our second round pick because we want to do that. Like, like, what are we doing here? That, that's um, I, I don't get it. Um yeah. And then the, the draft lottery sounds interesting to me. Um, as, as I think most listeners know, of course, the MLB draft is so unique compared to the NBA where you only have two rounds. The NFL has seven, like it, it's just different in every sense for, you know, compared to the 40 rounds that MLB has and in the probabilities of high picks hitting versus guys in the middle rounds. But sure. If, if that's something the players want, it's, it's a consistent theme especially like Max Scherzer, who is very vocal and leads the, the Players Association. He's been extremely vocal about wanting to get rid of teams that tank. And I don't blame him. If you were a professional player on the Pittsburgh Pirates and you're watching everyone but yourself get shipped away and you're going to lose 100 games for the fifth year in a row, you know, and you, you have to incentivize owners and teams for winning a few games. So if that's something the players want and owners are on board with it, I'm, I'm up for it. And Maybe it would create a new dynamic for teams that even if it's in their best interest not to be uh, great and they need to rebuild, um, at the very least, it should help keep some of the competitive integrity that the players seem to want. Yeah, I'm also in favor of the lottery. I, th I don't think it's a big deal, honestly, but if the players want it, that makes sense to me. And you kind of got into it, but the the impact of being number one or number two, number three in the draft in baseball is not the same as it is in basketball or even in football, but football you know, is just tough to do that with so few games. But 
I think the NBA not having one would be a disaster. Uh, and that's why they do have one. But baseball, it's like, all right, I think that probably helps competitive balance a little bit. But at the same time, you know, I don't really think teams are tanking in season in the way they do in other sports. Does that make sense? Like, maybe, I don't know. It's if you're the, yeah, what's, what's, what's the Pirates as, as an example, the Pirates or the Orioles or whatever, whichever team you want to pick uh, that's been bad for a while. Like they're really bad, but over 162, like it, the work's kind of done for them. They don't have to like think about trying to lose for positioning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, sure. and because there's no incentive to do so. I mean, yes, it's better to be picking number one than number two, but only so often is there like an actual number one overall, like consistent guy. Like how many, how many drafts have we kind of like, I would, I'll, I'll, I'll say for me and you pseudo covered covering this uh, on this podcast, I can only count on my a couple of fingers. Like how many times there's like a, a unanimous number one overall prospect. Sure. Yeah. Like, you're, you're Bryce Harper's your Steven yeah. Strasburg's. Yeah. And of course the Nats get those guys apparently, but um, <laughs> of course, no, it's, it's, it's just interesting to me. And they're so far away. That's the whole rabbit hole we can go down. But yeah, I'm, I'm in favor of this too. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but if the players see value in it um, and I would be the same way if I was players, I would prefer that as well. Cause yeah. especially if you're players, like you just want to win, you want to at least try to win. And uh, the organizations don't always do that. Okay. So they met on Saturday. It lasted less than an hour after all kinds of buildup. There was like two days of buildup to this meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And they met for less than an hour. Um, the player association was reportedly unimpressed, let's just say, um, with the exception of our friend, John Heyman, who decided to try to carry water and say that there was some optimism or something like that. He had a, he had a ridiculous tweet, just a ridiculous. I was like, uh, I looked at it and I was like, man, there's, there's reality of every other person from Drellich to Rosenthal to the ESPN guys, Jesse Rogers, et cetera. And then there's John Hammond. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> he's the only person that's reporting this is like an optimistic meeting at all. Uh, but good, good try, yeah. John. John, um, John Heyman, who is single-handedly trying to speak Freddie Freeman to the Yankees into existence. Oh, Lord. Yeah, we're not good. Just for the record, we're not doing that, that segment. I refuse because he's sent the same tweet seven times. Yep. Like once, every, <laughs> once, once every 10 days, John Heyman sends a tweet about how the Dodgers and Yankees are, are, are involved with uh, Freddie Freeman or, or something. I don't know. Hi, John. Um, Moving on from there, but <laughs> friend, friend of the podcast, friend of the podcast, podcast? John, yeah. John, John yeah, I mean, people know me, I think a little bit, even especially they listen to the basketball show too. I, I don't go after individual writers like really ever, but John Heyman has, uh, has reached the point where I don't care anymore. Um, anyway, there was no talk really at all about revenue sharing or super two stuff for arbitration. Yeah. Uh, those are like the two biggest issues for the players. So that's a warning sign in my mind that there's been no talk about that. Cause that's like, pretty much the unanimous sticking point on any negotiations. Like, yes, there's, there are other things too, like pre-R proposals and minimum salary has been in the in discussions a lot. Um, the CBT thresholds have been in the mix a lot, but everyone reporting on this is talking about, look, the two biggest things are revenue sharing and super two right now that they've not touched and those haven't been touched yet. So it's like, uh, hmm. what do we, I mean, I guess they're kind of getting closer, but maybe not really at all. In fact, Rosenthal and Drellich for the athletic wrote on Sunday that I'm going to quote them directly. There is no reason to believe the tipping point will be the threat of losing opening day. And they basically are saying that, you know, they're not optimistic especially <laughs> at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, I do want to ask you one thing though, uh, sort of an interesting provision uh, that they talked about. Apparently MLB proposed a provision that would limit teams and the number of times they could actually option a player in season down to five. Now that's still a lot of going back and forth, but you know, some of these teams in their bullpens just option guys 15 times during the season or 20 times during the season. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably a good thing. It's a rare MLB proposal that I actually like. <laughs> but yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. Fine with it. I, I saw that too. I was like, sure. If, if, I wish they weren't like debating these things because they seem so minuscule compared to the major issues they still need to work through. But again, similar to those other three, the DH and the draft lottery and all that, like, sure. If, if uh, it is, again, it's worth saying, this is a very important time for major league baseball, right? The sport has its challenges um, with an older audience trying to appeal to a younger demographic. There are some very obvious financial things they need to work through as well. Um, they need to get this CBA right. And this is really their only chance to make some large scale changes for however long the CBA is in agreement for. Um, I do hope that the sport as a whole comes out for the better whenever they do reach an agreement. 
Yeah, I mean, and to that end, before we move on from from the CBA stuff for this podcast, you know, it is pivotal in my mind, um, also in the minds of people that do stuff more closely than we do. Like, I know Joe Sheen's been writing about this a lot recently, just how kind of pivotal this could be for baseball. And he's not a doomsdayer in that way. But coming off of the 2020 weirdness and the shortened season there, and um, there's some real animosity, it seems like, between the two sides. But Sheen wrote this. So I'm not, I'm gonna, it's not my point. I'm stealing it from him. But really in comparison, and I've looked at this even beyond that, the two sides are really not very far apart in terms of like when you go back to previous negotiations and previous CBAs and standoffs like 94 and 82, whatever, they were a lot further apart. And Sheen's opinion, and I think I agree now after I've read more about this, is that it's hard to even find like the rationale for the owners doing the lockout. Like they could be playing under this CBA. Like it's pretty well understood, not guaranteed, but the assumption is from people that are smarter than I am that, you know, if they lifted the lockout, they could just roll through this season with the CBA that's currently in place and the players probably wouldn't strike. Um, and that's just another like, reminder of this and why I am firmly on the player side here. You know, the league can lift the lockout at any time. Like if you're looking to sort of point blame at who is responsible for maybe missing games, missing spring training, et cetera, it's obviously the owners they are the ones that did the lockout. Like, yes, the players are negotiating on their own behalf, but this is a lockout, which is not, it's not a strike. This is the lockout. 94, the players struck. That's what yeah. happened. This is a lockout from the management side. And yes, the players could then strike if they lifted the lockout, but no one thinks that they would actually do that. People think that that, if they could just lift it and they could play and they have to negotiate while that's all happening, but people kind of just gloss over that. And that maybe, and maybe it's just me that I'm just, it just hit me really hard this week. I was like, well, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like hmm. there, there are stuff that they're arguing about for sure, but they could just be playing while they negotiate. And that wouldn't okay. go on forever, but missing games right now would be so bad for baseball. Like to, to yeah. what you were saying, I think it'd just be a disaster to start. I mean, yeah, you could eventually play, but I kind of referenced it earlier with, with NHL, like they lost that season and this is anecdotal, but like, I can tell you right now, that's a lot less relevant sport in the, in the country than it was back then. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> right. that's the reason for it, but like if baseball loses time and it's a, it's a public spectacle of a mess, which is what it's going to be if they actually end up missing time, it's not good, man. Like it, it, they got to play. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not good. No, it, it is a black eye. And that's ultimately what I'm curious to see. Like right now, Yes, there, you, we would be a few days away from pitchers and catchers reporting, and then another week players I think it's report. Tuesday, like was the was was the original scheduled day for that sounds and right. Yeah, Ooh, and it's Sunday night right now. We're almost there. It <laughs> is, and if you miss a couple of weeks of spring training or you miss a couple of spring training games, ultimately the players don't care. Quite honestly, the players are probably in favor of of missing a few spring training games because, especially the veterans, that I don't think too many veterans are real you know, antsy to play on March 2nd in front of 1500 people, right? Like in Jupiter, Florida, I just don't think that's a thing. But when you get to the regular season, that's when everyone starts to feel the crunch, right? It's a black eye in terms of public relations for the league, a sport that's had some black eyes in recent years, right? With the Astros and the cheating scandal. And uh, of course, dating back a ways, the doping scandal and, and everything going on with hall of fame voting, like, the sport could use some good PR. The absolute last thing they want is to have the season be, you know, the start of the season be postponed. Um, and then where it's really going to hurt is financially. And you're talking about a sport that was really impacted probably more than any other in 2020 with the COVID season. Uh, of course, they played 60 games. There were no fans. There was no gate revenue. Uh, money wasn't coming in. The players took hefty pay cuts. Well, if you start canceling games at the beginning of the year because you can't reach a new agreement, every single game that gets canceled, that's how many fans of ticket revenue that's not coming in. That's how many dollars of TV revenue. The players aren't getting paid. The owners aren't getting paid. I think that's when ultimately is, is what I guess we're going to find out of, of just how desperate both sides are to come to an agreement. Because when the money stops flowing in, I think that's when we're really going to see some action. And, and let's hope it's a it kind of pushes both sides back to the table and they can get to an agreement sooner than later because there is still time here. Um, but with every day that passes, it seems just less and less likely we're going to get there. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, that's, that's well said. And, you know, 
Rosenthal and Relich did right, that they think that they could go to early March and conceivably get to opening day starting on time. Um, that, that'd be tough. Like that, that would be a situation where you'd have guys signing for agent deals a week before they played baseball, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Like you'd have major names that, cause you know, not everybody's going to sign the day that the lockouts lifted. It's just not going to be like a, a one day frenzy. It'll be fast. I think in some respects, but it's not going to be that fast. So if they go into March, guys got to ramp up. Uh, pitchers obviously have to go even further. It would impact opening day. I'm not even sure if they would. I mean, I'm sure at some point they would try to start, but it wouldn't be a seamless transition if they went into March. So yeah, talking about two weeks basically of legitimate, you know, get it done by now or it's not going to get done kind of stuff. And you know, maybe one of the more sobering things I read this week, and now I'm blanking on where I saw it, but basically it was a study about how owners kind of understood from 2020 that they didn't necessarily lose much by starting late and having a shortened season. And it's like, maybe they, they know deep down, like, yeah, they're going to lose some money in spring training, but it's almost not better for them, but they're uh, in a decent spot to start like on Memorial Day if they had to. And hmm them knowing that is not a good thing. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and they are, and it's also like the forever, um, you know, millionaires versus billionaires kind of thing, but it is still true. There's a reason why this is a trope because it's accurate. And it's because players understand that, you know, they have a finite amount of time to earn money to carry them through the rest of their lives. And owners can own teams forever if they want to. And they also have a lot more money. So the impact on the players is always higher. Um, there are many, many, many players in baseball who are not lifetime wealthy. They have more money than you and I do, Scott, but they don't. <laughs> Just they're a not. Yeah. But you know what I mean, though? Like the the 10th reliever on the Braves, pick, pick, a, pick a name if you want to, that's been making the minimum on and off for a couple of years, has some money, but the, they're not set for life. Like no, the, no. the minimum is like $600,000 and they're only getting that when they're in the majors. Like, sure. yeah, it's not like, Freddie Freeman's fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Freddie's going to be yeah. fine. Uh, but it's uh, the impact does kind of trickle down and they're, you know, the, the union is full of guys on, on, on the minimum and the minimum is a lot of money in real life, but it's not a lot of money in baseball terms. So no. anyway, that's kind of a sober conversation in a lot of ways, but it's all that there is to talk about. Number one. And also like there was, I felt like there was a real buildup to this weekend and then it was kind yeah. of a fall <laughs> flat and uh, that's concerning. Yeah. When the tweet came out that, the meeting was over and it was less than an hour. It was like, Oh Jesus, this is either everyone had a come to God meeting and, and they that didn't happen. <laughs> and that did not happen. Uh, and instead it's, and again, like I know people are like, well, why aren't they meeting every day? And to be clear, uh, you know, the attorneys are, are very involved here. Like it takes sure. time. I think the proposal is 170 pages or something like that. Like there is a lot of stuff that needs to be going through here. Um, but Again, it's just another one of those things. It's like, really, like, come on, guys. Let, let's all, <laughs> everyone. Ramp it up, please. Yeah, a right? like everyone give and take a little bit, right? It's what your parents tell you. You have to give, you have to get, you know, you have to come to a compromise. From the time you're a little kid, uh, you're not always going to get every single thing you want. Like, let's all get together here and, and figure this out. Get opening day on schedule. Um, even if you have to bring the players along a little bit slowly, Um yeah, we'll see. Seems like you just said 10 days. That sounds about right to me. If they don't have something done by February is a short month, but, you know, middle, you know, February 23rd ish to me, that's when it's like, okay, they're probably not going to have opening day on time. Yeah. I think for me, it's probably, maybe, maybe it's March 1st, but it's, it's certainly in that range. Next couple of yeah, weeks yeah. is where they are. Um, and yeah, pro player on this one. <laughs> At least for at least for me, I'll speak for myself. I, no, I am too. I am too. I Pro mean, player on this one. Obviously, there's always stuff on both sides, but I think if you're looking sure. at the blame pie right now, it is firmly on the underside. Uh, more than it is. It's it's a business. At the end of the day, it is ultimately a business, and I get it. the The business owners did not become very rich by making poor business decisions, but again, just some of the nickel and diming stuff. It's like really giving giving the minor leaguers a little bit of money for spring training for six weeks. That's a sticking point, you know, give, give your Ronald Acuna is making $600,000 a year, a little bit more, more money with this bonus pool that they're projecting, like stuff like that. Come on guys, let, let's figure it out. Yep. Figure it out is the uh, phrase of the podcast. 
All right, before we get into a couple of mailbag questions that are actually about baseball, Scott, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let us talk about some actual on-field stuff. A couple questions here. The first one that came to us actually came to Eric and I'm stealing it. So shouts to Eric, our co-host, our guy, but I'm still this question. It comes from Justin Goldberg who asks us or Eric, <laughs> uh, he says, ignoring off field stuff entirely. I want to stress this part of the question, ignoring off field stuff entirely. Who is the better player between Marcelo Zuna and Jorge Soler? Now this is relevant because of the of the DH and people ask me, I feel like once a week, it's like, can they have Solaire and Azuna on the team at the same time? We talked about this before. I can do that whole thing again. But it's an interesting question because uh, I won't I won't spoil all the numbers. But if you look at the last like three years of numbers, Solaire and Ozuna are remarkably similar baseball players. Like they really are. It's kind of crazy, actually. Yeah. So, boy. So, who is the better player? Is is a it's an Ignoring off-field stuff entirely, Scott. Ignoring right. off-field stuff. Oh, by the way, while we're here, I forgot to write this down in the document. Uh, did you happen to see the interview that Snicker did with Jeff Schultz like a week, maybe yes, two weeks ago? I did see that. Uh, now, granted, Snit's not the GM. I want to stress that. He's just the manager. But he acted like Ozuna is going to be on the team. Like, Yeah, yeah. Not, not Again, they, they could trade him, but – and. I think we've opportunity. We said the same thing on this podcast. Like until they trade him, I am thinking he's going to be on the team. But Snicker act like it wasn't even going to be a question. Like, yeah. I'm not sure if that was intentional or what, but uh, that was notable to me that he was just kind of like he's on the team. <laughs> like, all right, yeah, thanks, Nit. We're here. And, right, and I mean, <laughs> not to go into this can of worms, right? Not like, again. No, like I'm just the saying. league. Yeah, and and he is, as I think folks know, he was retroactively suspended, and he is no unless- longer suspended now. Unless Alex Anthopoulos finds a bad contract to swap him out for, and I don't know why another team would want to take the PR hit, but I guess it's not impossible. Uh, we, I guess there is some history of that. But nonetheless, who is the better player? Answering that question. Um, boy, it, it's difficult because, um, you know, Marcelo Zuna was out of his absolute mind for two <laughs> months in 2020. Like he, he had one of the greatest two-month stretches like of all time. I mean, he, he was just absurd. He got overshadowed a little bit by Acuna and Freeman. Um, he was so good. Then you go to 2021, he gets his new contract. Um, he came out of the gate slow. Uh, Ozuna has historically throughout his career been a streaky hitter. He's been a guy who will have a really bad month and then he will have a, a month where he's on fire. Um, he started out 2021 really poorly. He was showing signs of starting to hit a little better in May. And then he, uh, broke his thumb or his wrist, whatever it was. And then, of course, he had the very ugly off-field instant, and that was the end. Um, Jorge Soler, as, as you noted, I mean, it is remarkable how similar they've been. Um, over the last couple of years, I'm stealing your stats here, Soler has a 118 WRC+. Plus. Ozuna has a 120 WRC+. Plus. Um, slugging, almost identical on base. Ozuna get on, gets on base a little bit better, but basically an identical number there too. Um, you know, I think if I'm, if I'm to answer this question, um, I would probably take Jorge Soler by a nose just because defensively, I, I didn't think he was that bad last year. 
Um, granted, it was a small two months that we saw of him in the outfield with the Braves, but um, you know, I, I thought his defense was fine. Whereas Ozuna is basically a DH only at this point. I mean, I guess you could stick him in an outfield spot and he can catch the ball kind of, but he has no throwing shoulder left. Uh, when, when the Braves signed him a year ago, the expectation was that he was going to handle the outfield for 2021 and then one, shift to the teams year. right yes. for one season and then shift to the DH. And that was the plan. I would assume pending just some kind of uh, sudden trade, which doesn't seem likely um, that's going to be his role for the next couple of years in Atlanta. And, um, and, and I do think you, you mentioned, can both guys exist on the same team? I think they can. Um, maybe I'm overrating uh, Solaire's defense a little bit, but again, I didn't think he was terrible. He has a big arm. And as we know, in, in truest right field is not huge by any means, but they may want to play Acuna there. I don't know. There, there's so many layers to this, but to answer the original question, I would take Solaire by a nose just because the defense is better. Yeah, I can see all sides of this one. Uh, just to back up what you said about Ozuna, you know, we, we've kind of referenced it a lot uh, about his 2020 season. But I think it's still underrated how good he was. I'm looking at the numbers right now. Uh, he was third in the majors in WRC plus behind Soto and Freeman, who won the MVP. Uh, he was number one in the National League in home runs that season. I believe he was also number one in RBI. I'm looking this up now. Yeah, yeah he was Sounds not that right. I really care about RBI, but he, yeah. So he led the league in home runs and RBI and was second in slugging to Freddie. Yeah. No, sorry. Third and slugging to Freddie and, and Soto, who missed some time. So, like, essentially, he was one of the three best hitters in baseball for a yeah. full season. No, full in season his... is, in quotation marks. It was, a, it was a shortened season, but right, it's tough yeah. to really evaluate the twenty. He was out of his season. mind, but yeah. still, that, that did happen. Uh, I don't think that's realistic to to sort of project. Um, he's been more consistent than Solaire. Solaire's highs have been higher, even with what I just said about as soon as two months ago. Like in terms of full seasons, Solaire had that like forty nine homer season. Um, and then last year basically lost his mind down the yeah. stretch. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's really tough for me. I also have a hard time. I'll admit this right here. And now I have a hard time separating Ozuna to only on field. That's just, that is the question. So we're trying to answer it. Um, I, yeah, I think with the DH in play, I might take Ozuna, but I think if you made them play the field, I would take Solaire. Does that make sense? Yeah. For I sure. think Solaire is a better defender. They're both below average, but I'm kind of with you. I don't think Solaire is embarrassing. Uh, can they have them both? I would say yes, but I would also not want to pay Solaire like market value, knowing that he has to play the field every day. Yeah, like you'd be in a better situation. Like if if his market does not materialize and he just likes Atlanta and likes to be back on a team and um, they can partner together for, for like a short term contract and get some value, sign me up for that. I would not want to give Solaire a big multi-year deal at market value with Ozuna on the team. That's where I am on the yeah. two of them. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a hard question. <laughs> it is. I think with, with the DH in play, I, I think I will take Ozuna if you ignore off-field. But, you know, semantics. I think it's pretty close. The Let me ask really you this, crazy. Brad, and I'm, I'm straying away from your very handy Google Doc here, but... By all means... We're off the rails anyway. Who cares? Two-year deal, $24 million. So $12 million bucks a year. So I mean, are you, are you paying Jorge Soler or are you paying Eddie Rosario? Um, This is going to be a funny qualifier. Do they have Freeman? Yes. Then I think I probably would take Soler. If they don't have Freeman, I would take Rosario because they have no left-handed bats. I think it's funny. I, the left-handed thing to me is is fairly important as well. Um, Just to have some, I mean, they literally don't have anybody that's yeah. left-handed if they don't have Freddie. Yeah. Nobody. And this kind of segues us into the the next question here we have from from listeners. But yeah, I mean that that's a, a as we're talking about the outfield, we should probably hop on to this second question here. It feels like Rosario is ancient, by the way. They're the same age. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rosario born in September of '91. Um, and Solaire, I just had it in front of me. I clicked off of it. Born in uh, February '92, so they're essentially six months apart. It feels like Eddie Rosario is five years older than Jorge Solaire, but he's not. 
he's been around. I think, you know, the debate, and this has been asked quite a bit, and I've seen some some chatter about it. I think Rosario is the safer player, probably the more consistent guy. I mean, if you look yes. at Rosario last five seasons uh, with Minnesota, a 117 WRC plus, as a reminder for listeners, 100 or so is average. So again, an above average hitter, 117 then 114, then 104, then 111, and then got off to a poor start last year with the uh, with the Indians and then came on, of course, and became uh, the greatest baseball player of all time in the NLCS. Which, with the, yeah, I mean, it's so crazy. Like, he's – I feel like there's the notion that he's going to be that guy, and he, he he's not that guy. No, like he's no, been no. He's been good. Like you just said, he's been consistent, and he's definitely the safer option if you just look at the bat. Um, but he's as funny as it sounds after watching him in the playoffs, he is definitely the lower upside option of the two of them in mm. my mind. Yeah, I see that. And I agree. And it's interesting looking at steamer projections here. So uh, steamer projections, Jorge Soler, a 116 WRC plus and a 1.6 war for next season. Uh, Eddie Rosario is very similar. A 106 WRC plus and a 1.3 war. So they value Eddie's defense a little bit more. They also yep. have Jorge projected to play a few more games, just probably given the recent injuries to Rosario. But again, these are similar players with uh, just, you know, the handedness thing is a little different. And of course, Jorge has the crazy power um, though. Again, it's worth noting he was having a horrible season with the Royals before the trade. Um, whereas Rosario has been a little more steady, but does not have that superstar upside that, that Solaire presumably does. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, this, that's one of those questions, one of those head to heads that I, I don't really have a strong opinion on. I think you can probably hear that in my voice. Like, I, I don't think that if you want to argue for Rosario, I'm not going to really argue against you. Um, or if you, or the, or the other way around, I do think that Solaire has, a, has higher upside. I do think that just because of the tools that he has. But Rosario, you know, he's good at hit. I, I have a hard time seeing him not hitting on some level. Um, but even then, I say that, like, Soler, it's a different kind of hitting, but he's never had a bad season, like a bad full season. He was struggling last year before he came to before he came to Atlanta, for sure. But he got hurt in 2017 and played 35 games and was terrible, but it was 35 games. Every other season, he's been, like, league average or better. Like, he, was not, he had a 95 WRC plus in his second season when he was 23 years old. But other than that, he's been an above average hitter every season. It's just his defense metrics don't like his defense for obvious yeah. reasons. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of see all sides there. I, I think that you can, you can sort of overrate the left-handed bat thing, but I, I do think that it's probably not great to have literally no left-handed bats. So if they don't have Freddie, yeah. then that does matter to me. Uh, we don't have to do what we were going to do and do the, uh, in fact, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to save this one because it's, uh, it's already late in the evening. It's I'm going to ask solid, you this one. Yeah. I'm going to ask you podcast tease. I'm going to ask you uh, one quick, one quicker question. Uh, and it comes from Steven. Uh, what are you guys doing to pass the time during the lockout? I know there isn't baseball to watch anyway, but with nothing to talk about, I'm wondering if there are any new <laughs> endeavors for you. So Scott, what are you doing to pass the time during the lockout? Any new endeavors, boy. Uh, Simon, Arizona, University of Arizona alumni. So uh, the Wildcats are very good this year. So I have been all in on college basketball. The last couple of years have been a little rough to follow, but um, so I'm really enjoying that. Uh, what else am I doing? Um, I need to start. I watched uh, Ozark pick up on the final season of Ozark, Brad. I don't know if you have seen that. I have um, watched it not all the way through to where it is now. So. It is uh, it is Breaking Bad for rednecks in South Missouri. And as someone who grew up in, in Missouri, I think it is uh, remarkably accurate, though it is filmed in Atlanta, actually, funny enough. Yeah, um, like a, but I, you're, not, you're, not, you're not from here, but I'll tell people it's like Lake Lanier is a very uh, and sort of Hartwell. That whole area is a, uh, a big filming spot, apparently, for Ozark. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, so some some TV, some uh, TV, some movies. We started digging in on the uh, Oscar Best Picture nominees. We've watched those the last few years just to have something to watch because as we as we've kind of talked about, once once the Super Bowl wraps up, um, it is a little bit of a, a lull for sports. I mean, NBA and NHL are making their way towards the playoffs, and you have March Madness, which is always great. And then of course, your baseball's. Atlanta Hawks are playing right now, Scott. So my Atlanta Hawks, lifelong. Die, die hard. Like, like, like um, die hard yeah. What about you, Bradley? What are you up to? We, we should do a, we, if the lockout is still going, we should do an Oscars podcast. 
We should. Like, I, just to, like mess with it and have fun. I, I enjoy uh, it. My when I first met my now wife uh, at the time, we started watching all the best picture nominees. Some of them. I, I end up like, how is this movie even nominated? This was terrible. But some of them are just fantastic films. So I'm excited to do it again. Uh, yeah, to answer the question, uh, I work a lot. And I'm not just saying that to, I, I have no, it's not like a pride thing. I just, that's what I do. I don't really have much time to do other things during basketball season in particular. Uh, I do a lot of work on the Hawks and a lot of work on the NBA and college basketball. And it's all happening now. Um, Let's see anything else that I have been doing in life. I uh, no, like not really. I watched <laughs> stuff too. Like I, I used to go stuff, to I used yeah. to go to the movies a lot, and now I never go to the movies because of the pandemic. I just haven't been back. Yeah, I think I've been once to the movies in like I the went, last year. I went to the movies for the first time in probably a year and a half last weekend. It was it was a little. I mean, it was nice. I mean, it was. Um, it was spaced out. There was like nobody there. So it was, it was nice. I'm with you. I, I love the idea of going to the movies, but inevitably there's always someone like having a full on conversation on their cell phone in the row behind <laughs> you. And you just want to like, I love the it. movies. I am. I'm yeah. pro movie. If there's anything that I do on a regular basis, that's not related to sports or work. It is probably going to the movies, at least in the pre pandemic world. So I do miss that. Other than that, no, I don't really have much that I do. Otherwise it's, it's kind of a sad statement. But I, I do work a lot. I, I enjoy watching sports, which is kind of work for me. Um, I look forward to the season ending in basketball at some point so that I can like not work 15 hours a day. But that's kind of where we are <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of like anything, anything at all I could add to the uh, experience. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I watch I do watch some shows and TN like movies and stuff. Yeah, but I don't like do anything else because I'm I'm bored. I buy shoes a lot. Let's just say that I, I shop, especially in the hmm. pandemic. I I've always been a shoe guy, but uh, I, I just have boxes of shoes now that I just have worn once or something that I just keep buying. I got robbed, which we talked about on the podcast last summer when I was out of town, and I had to like replace all my stuff, and that got me going again because I had to like buy shoes to replace that stuff. But I started looking at shoes again, you know. That's my one thing. <laughs> I'm laughing because I've had like the same pair of Nike tennis shoes for that like a right. year and a half. Like, like it's, and maybe it's because I'm out here in Arizona. So I'm rocking like the sandals a lot and everything. Like it doesn't really get cold out here, but like, like literally I have two pairs of Nikes in my entire closet. Both of them are at least a year and a half old. Well, um, the crazy thing is like, uh, because I go to I, I go to the office for work like I don't get to wear my tennis shoes sneakers whatever how you yeah. want to say that Same very here. much at all I, I do not need as many as I have because I don't wear them very much yeah because yeah. I have to like pseudo dress up to go to work like I can get away with like a fairly level level like I, I wore khakis a lot like I don't have to like go crazy but I can't just like roll in in my Jordans either so uh <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I that, that's that's how you have stacks of shoes and don't wear them all the time because uh i don't know when i would wear them i could just put them on at home like i get off work come, come home and just put my jordans on at home in my apartment That'd there you be go fun. yeah um but no that's probably uh all we need to do we, we should do uh we'll, we'll better on some ideas i'm, I'm kind of joking but i'm kind of not if you have an idea for us to talk about stuff on the podcast we will take it um, mailbag questions are always great too, but people have said some like theme shows in. If we don't do it, maybe Sean will on the Daily Hammer because Sean has been uh, dutifully grinding out two or three episodes a week, and uh, he's got an even harder job than we do because there's just nothing to talk about right now. <laughs> so um, yeah, if you have ideas for like full breakdowns or shows, and like we did some stuff on last year's team and retrospective and all that stuff, but lists, whatever, we'll, we'll take them. May not, we may, may not do them all for sure, but especially if this keeps rolling into April, May. I kind of want to do more podcasts. Like I know I've been uh, moving a little bit um, sparse with the episodes. That's entirely on me because I have my schedule um, and just the lack of content also, but I'm trying to get back into a groove yeah. every week and a half, maybe two weeks, something like that, at least in the meantime. And then once, when the season starts, I can promise you it'll be mostly every week. So yeah, well, it's, it's difficult to do podcasts when there is quite literally nothing going on. And that's like, why I love Sean. Cause Sean is making it happen for us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and Road to Atlanta, I know, will be coming back pretty soon, uh, Eric and the guys. And that's the one the one small thing. Maybe Scott and I will have to talk about minor league baseball because that's going to happen by all accounts. Like, they're yeah. going to play minor league baseball regardless. So it'll be a lot of uh, me reading stuff that Eric and Garrett and company write about prospects yeah. <laughs> at some point in time <laughs> yeah. if they start playing baseball. 
Yeah, no, it'll be like uh, the days of the rebuild where you and I, I think, and a lot of Braves fans were. I had more takes back then than I do now. Yeah. Well, and it's just, you know, when the team is 27 games below 500 in the middle of 2016, like it was more fun looking at the minor league rosters and stats and box score every night, just seeing, you know, what did Dansby Swanson do tonight? What did Ozzy Albies do tonight? Because there was not a whole lot of good things going on in Atlanta. And hey, it led to a World Series even if there were some dark times along the way, but let's hope for some baseball soon. And I don't know if anyone wants to hear yours and my favorite movies or her favorite recipes. Oh, we're do- I mean, listen, at some point, if it gets dire enough, we- we're going to do that. Um, maybe it'll be half a show. I-, I will probably try my best to not ever do like a full no baseball podcast, but we might have to do it. Yeah. Like- there's only so many CBA, CBA negotiations to go through, Scott. I'm promise. I'll get on the I'll get on the horn here with Rob Manfred and let him know what what the stakes are. As if. I'm going to call John Heyman and see what John can sort of sort out for. He's he's a, he's a, he's locked in. He's definitely pulse of the nation. John Heyman, thank you, John, for your service, uh, my guy. Really, John really appreciate your work. Um, I should stop before I say something stupid. Okay, <laughs> it's late, Scott. Thank you for joining me. We somehow got 45 minutes out of this. Um. Yeah, honestly, everybody's been great that's listened to the podcast and keeping us afloat, also listening to the Daily Hammer. Um, I, I do understand there's maybe a lack of appetite for this right now, but if you don't love listening to CBA stuff, I do understand that, but you can please also subscribe and download the podcast. Yep. If you don't listen, you can download. It doesn't do you, it's not very difficult for most people to do. So if you want to support the podcast, people sometimes ask us that question. It's like, what do you, like, how can we support the show? Do you have Patreon or whatever? Like, nope, just download the podcast. Yep. Yeah, does us a uh, a great favor, and as you said, just tell a friend, tell an enemy. It really does help us out, and here's hoping we get baseball sooner than later. And these are really fun to do, and always good to chat with you, Brad. And, and thanks again to everybody for tuning in. Absolutely, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find podcasts, and we'll see you next time.